Good morning. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chafhei in Maseches Megillah, which means that we're going to be finishing the third parak, God willing. But we start on the last word of Chafdalad Amad Bez, and we got Garanowitz here, which means the whole day is a Garanowitz Musr moment. What is this Mishnah discussing? How not to daven. <laughs> um, which is to say, sometimes from what not to do, you can learn what you should do. The theme of today is going to be humility, as you will see. So that certainly is a Musr theme. So the Mishnah starts with Haomer Yevarchucha Tovim. This is not a davening thing. This is just a statement, in a way, right? If a person says to Hashem as part of their davening, right, um, he's, he's not including, as Rashi says, Okay, so he's trying to bless Hashem in some way, and he's saying, "Good men shall bless you." <laughs> Go define good men, Andrew. Says the Mishnah, "Harezu derech aminus." That is heresy. Minus heresy. Why is it heresy? Because and and by the way, uh, this uh, Rashi is quoting the Gemara Croesus that says that if you have a public fast and you don't include what the avaryanim, what do we say? At the beginning, right, when we talk about on Yom Kippur, the Rishus Litpalalim Avaryanim. Well, there's two aspects of this which are inappropriate. The, the, the fact that they call it heresy is interesting, minus, but here's the, here's the idea. Two, two aspects. The part that makes it heresy is that really, what are we supposed to daven for? That all the creatures of the earth and all of mankind or humankind right, is going to sing the praises of Hashem. That's really the ultimate goal. When you think that you're a good, a better person, right, when you think that you're better than somebody else, you think, oh, maybe the, the world is supposed to be monopolized by the from world, and we're the ones that are going to be designated to, to bless Hashem, what you're doing is you're making it about yourself, right? So it's a two-step heresy, really. The first thing is that you think you're better than somebody else. Uh, who are you to judge, right? And the second thing is that you think that because you're better than somebody else, that entitles you to be the person to praise Hashem as the designated, right, chosen one of Hashem. Both of those things are wrong. You should have the humility to understand that, first of all, we can't presume, right, who in their heart is closest to Hashem, and we don't know Hashem's ways, and so you can't presume um, that one is better than the other. And secondly, what you're really supposed to think about, if it wasn't about you, if it was truly about Hashem, is that everybody should get together and praise Hashem. That's a prerequisite, right? Uh, in Ahachuva of Rav Soloveitchik, that's all. He talks about the idea that Kali Shal is like a mikvah, right? Where if you think that you're not with the rest of Klal Yisrael going into the tshuva process, then it's like you have a chatzitza, it's like a tovel v'sheretz v'yodo, right? You, the, to the extent that you don't have achdus with the rest of humanity and certainly with the rest of Klal Yisrael, that actually creates a separation between you and Hashem. So that is fundamentally heretical to think that you're special and to think that you're different and to think that only you and your kind uh, deserve to have that relationship with Hashem. So that is the first part of the Mishnah. If you say only good men, obviously you're thinking about yourself, that is heretical. Fine. Next idea. A lot of philosophy here, but we have, we have some time. 
Okay, this is an interesting uh, way. We'll see this in the Gemara. The Kansipor, the Shiluach Haken, right? The famous uh, mitzvah of one of the mitzvahs for which we're promised as compensation for performing this mitzvah. You're promised long life. What do you do? You can't just take the eggs of a bird with the bird or, or with the bird uh, present, right? Or the chicks of the bird, rather, with the bird present. You have to first shiluach hakein. You have to take the bird and shoo it away from the nest. And in the absence of the bird, you're supposed that only then can you take its offspring. That sounds like the reasoning for the mitzvah, the ta'am ha mitzvah, sounds like it's because of mercy on the bird, right? Al have mercy on us. As your mercy is to the bird. Okay. The Altov is a shamecha. Because your goodness is, your name should be remembered for goodness. So what is, what is going on there? So what's going on there is we have a mitzvah. And we're going to see this in the Gemara. Um, but the idea is, right, we're going to see exactly what's, what the reasoning is. But there's a very fundamental idea here. The idea is that you are assuming the rationale for mitzvahs. You're assuming the tam ha-mitzvahs. That's the basic idea. In other words, you look at a mitzvah, like netilas yadayim, and you've heard this possibly in your lifetime. Oh, netilas yadayim is for hygiene. Hashem wants to teach us the concept of hygiene. Shiloh hakein, as we discussed, Hashem wants to teach you the concept of rachamim. So you say, just like you gave us that mitzvah in order, so because you have rachamim, Right, so what you're doing is you're uh, ascribing some um, modern thought that you have about what, right, what values are supposed to be, and you're assuming that the mitzvah is a reflection of those values, as if Hashem has these values, right? Hashem shares your core values, and that that's why that is the Tama mitzvah. That is fundamentally heretical, and. The reason it is is because you're basically imposing your values or your sort of cultural value system on the mitzvahs. The reality is that Hashem, again, the humil- you're supposed to have humility and understand that Hashem's ways are inscrutable and Hashem has his reasons. Now, there is a fundamental machlokas between the Rambam and the Ramban with regards to Tam HaMitzvos, right? There is such a thing as Tam HaMitzvos, of course. And there is a Sefer HaChinuch, which is going to talk about all the Tama mitzvahs. The reason for the mitzvahs, and this is wherever we're learning and wherever we're saying the mitzvahs, Gerana wants to know, what's the reason? But what's the muster? What's the reason? So I, both, the, both the Rambam and the Ramban would agree that to find a reason and a muster in the mitzvah is universally a good idea, okay? But there could be, the fundamental machlokus would be that the Rambam might say that the purpose of the mitzvah could be, in fact, to instill uh, some values in us and that there's, so to speak, a right answer. In other words, if you really were to know, there is, right, the, dig, the deeper you dig, perhaps you will find the right answer and the value that Hashem is trying to teach you, right? And so there, there's, so, there's something there, according to the Rambam, whereas according to the Rambam, it might be more that, the whole point is that Hashem is giving you the directive, and that's the only thing that matters. And the Tama Mitzvah, maybe it'll motivate you, 
maybe it'll give Tama Mitzvah in the classical sense, in the literal sense of just like Ta'am is the taste of food, but really the point of food is to nourish you and the Ta'am is to give you the excitement for it, right, and, and the motivation for it. So similarly, the Ta'am Mitzvah is just to, right, give flavor, but the actual nourishment, the spiritual nourishment of the mitzvah is the performance of the mitzvah and the directive itself, right? The Rama might think that the tam and the purpose is more baked into, embedded in the mitzvah. Be, be that as it may, for you to assume your own, right, ideology and impose it on the halachas is definitely inappropriate and therefore that is why that too would be heresy and we're going to see we silence such person. Or, that's, that's one thing, or modim modim, modim. We give thanks, we give thanks, you say it multiple times, that, Mishatkin because it sounds like you're referring to multiple deities. We're going to talk about Chazonus a little bit, the Machlokas about whether you can repeat words in davening, okay? Um, as, as the old time Chazonim uh, used to do, we do it less these days, okay? Next, says the Mishnah, Hamachane Ba'arayas. This is talking about, and the, the rest of the Gemara towards the, uh, till the end of the parak, we'll talk about all of the base basically will be able to talk about euphemistic interpretations. And again, this has to do with imposing your own thoughts on things without looking at Pashup Shat, right? Maybe I'm doing that a little bit on this Mishnah, but Hamachane Arayas, right, means that the Parsha of Arayas is very explicit in the Torah. It's talking about incest, forbidden relationships. So what's Mechana Be'arayas? The Gemara explains, uh, and Rashi brings it up here. He says, if you say, well, it doesn't really mean, right, incest, it means, and it doesn't really mean sleeping with your relative, Khalila, it means, you know, embarrassing your relative or getting, you know, right, you, you start to interpret uh, homiletically what the Pesukim say. So if you if you start taking Pasha shot and sort of taking it out of context and interpreting homiletically, mishat kinoto. We silence that person also. And again, the concept is, as we'll see, that you silence him because what is he doing? He's distorting, right? Anybody could take their own sensibilities and distort the push shot by imposing their sensibilities on it. But, you know, not everything is an allegory. Something, well, interestingly enough, the Mishnah uses the partios of Arias. Some things are just the way they seem, right? It's exactly what they're saying, that is what you're supposed to get out of it. Who are you to impose homiletically your thing uh, upon it? So all of these things, obviously, uh, you have to go to rabbi school to understand as a rabbi how to apply it, right? You're going to give a sermon. You want to make everything relatable. Goranowitz always wants everything to be relatable. But, you know, you can't take it out of Pashup Shot. You got to stick to, or you got to stick to what Hashem's trying to say. And this is, this runs through all of this, right? If you're going to say, oh, Hashem's this, Hashem's that. God is, God is love or, um, or interpret everything homiletically, you, you got to be very, very, very careful. You got to be a rabbi to know how to make these things relatable, but stick to the original message without distorting it. Okay. Another example of that, right? So there's a concept of molech, right? Which you're not allowed to do. You used to do it in those days. It would be like uh, running the gauntlet, walking on like hot coals or whatever it was. And, you, and that's what the halacha is. You're not allowed to send your children to molech. So, I, I, uh, <clears throat> Are you allowed to visit Thailand with all the Buddhas and all that? You're allowed to visit. That's interesting. Uh, Thailand and the Buddhism and all the Vodazara there to visit to see what goes on there? That's a good question. Um, so, 
again, when, when they used to, so, so that's what they used to do. I have a relative, Avi Haber, who had, travels so much. I mean, he's, old, he's my mother's uh, generation. Travels so much that in order to get his needle moving for travel, he needs to go to one of these places where they have a levaya and they stick a guy on an elephant and they set everything on fire and the elephant walks into the river or a guy chasing him with a spear and a loincloth or he has to be like with a beach chair out literally in the North Pole. But, um, but are you allowed to do, to, to, to do that kind of travel just out of curiosity? That's an interesting question. The molech, they used to make them walk on hot coals and they used to do this so, a guy, so you could see a guy giving a drusha. You can't send your kids to college. You know what I mean? Like, you could, you, you could take molech and, and superimpose some modern thing and say, that's molech, right? Uh, okay, but you're not allowed to take that and, and say, that means in those days, what did they used to say? Which is a pasuk, you're going to say, you're going to interpret it as follows, says the Mishnah. You can't give your seed to, right, to, to make an Armenian woman pregnant. Okay? To, t- to bear a child. So what are you doing? Again, you're homiletically interpreting and you're saying, ah, giving your zera to an Armenian, that's moilach. Uh, uh, it's not moilach necessarily, right? You're basically, again, superimposing your point onto psukim that don't necessarily mean that. And in that sense, in that context, the Mishnah does something interesting. Instead of just saying mishat kinoto, we silence him, he gets even more severe. It says mishat kinoto b'nezifa. Wow. We silence him with a nezifa, which is like, right, we give him musr, condemnation. Um, okay, why is that worse than everything else? Well, modim, modim, you're just doing chazonos, you know. Um, I mean, you're saying, tovim. so then again, you're imposing it on, uh, you're, you're, you're imposing on it, and mechanim be'arayas is you saying it's euphemistic, but you're trying to keep at least closer to the pshat. Here, perhaps you could say, with the, with the molech, you're being much more creative. In other words, of all the examples, this is the example where you're taking the pasuk and you're really just using like a fantasy pshat that's a little bit further from really what the pshat means. You're making a full sermon and throwing, and fitting it back into the psukim. That's a little bit worse, right, than just saying that the psukim are, you're keeping pshat of psukim, let's say of Parshas Arias, and saying that it has some allegorical application. Um, right, it's, it's, it's worse than that because it sounds like when you're saying and you're saying that it has anything to do with an Armenian woman, so that sounds like you're really, really stretching it even further and therefore that's a true distortion and therefore we silence him with condemnation. So all the Musr of this Mishnah, let's dig into the Gemara. Says the Gemara, I can understand where you're davening and you say modim twice. The problem is that it looks like you are, what, bowing down to two different deities, Chas That's not a good look. Uh, right, when you say, you remember your name for goodness. So I can, only, I can also understand why you're going to say Mishat Kinoto. It sounds like we're only thanking Hashem for the good. That's certainly not what we do, right? It's not. We learned already in the Mishnah. As we know, everything that Hashem does is for the good, as we will see. Um, and therefore, right, there's Gemara and Brachos, and therefore that's why we say Baruch Dayan MS, right? Whenever there's a tragedy, we know that Hashem has a Grandmaster plan, and we don't know necessarily what the Grandmaster plan is, 
But we certainly know that everything that Hashem does is with a reason that is um, often beyond us, if not always beyond us. And therefore, you mevarch on everything because you understand that Hashem has His ways. So all of that, I can understand why you would be why you would silence somebody for doing shtei rishuyos or assuming that they know what's good or bad. But asks the Gemara, my taima. What would be the bad thing about saying right that your mercy should extend like it does to a bird? It seems obvious that this, that the reason for shiluach hakain is for the mercy of the bird. And so therefore, what's wrong with this? So on that, there were two Israeli Amoraim that, that um, discussed this, and they had a machlokas as follows. Rabbi Yossi bar Avin, Rabbi Yossi bar Zvida. Okay, so one of them, one of the Rabbi Yossi said that it's like this. The Shiduach HaKain, mind you, um, let's assume it has something to do with mercy on the animals. Well, why should you only have mercy on the birds? If it's true that it has to do with mercy on the animals, why don't we have a shiluach hakain for bears and tigers and turtles? Why is it only for birds? So the first thing is, that's what it means, metil kina b'maisa b'reishis, right? Um, so, so in other words, it's, it's singling out birds, and that doesn't make any sense. And so... I don't know if he means literally that the other, you know, the other animals don't necessarily know that you're talking about Shiloh but the bottom line is singling out one animal is like you have uh, animal activists and then, you have, uh, and then you have animal activists that care about all animals, right? And then you have animal activists that they only want to save the whales. Okay, so they're, they're, their passion is the whales. And you have your dog lovers. So, so why would you have singling out only specific animal species? Okay, that's your thing. But, um, uh, but be that as it may, that is one thing that's inappropriate about it, right? Because if Hashem, if it was really from Hashem's mercy, I think that this is the pshat. That if it was really from Hashem's mercy, then it would be extended to all uh, the animal kingdom, right? Why would you say that the, uh, Hashem's mercy is only extended to birds? So it's, it's taking it out of pshat. Doesn't, it's, it's limiting Hashem's mercy. Okay, that's one pshat. The Einan Ela Gezeros, right? And the other shot is more fundamental, right? So the second shot is more like fundamental and has more to do with what we were saying before, that it's not because of Hashem's mercy that he's giving you the, uh, the mitzvahs. It's because it's a gazera. Hashem has his own reasons, so to speak, for why giving us these mitzvahs. So the first reason is fundamental, the, uh, meaning the second reason is fundamental, that the reason why we were giving the mitzvahs is because Hashem said so. That's the point. And so to impose some sort of rationale, as we said before, to assume that Hashem had this and this in mind, but well, we don't know what Hashem had in mind. So you can't assume what Hashem has in mind. That's a fundamental issue. I think the first reason is more of a chap. Really? That's what Hashem has in mind? So why only the birds? That's also a good point, right? So both of them are basically the pit two types of pitfalls that you fall into where you assume what Hashem's, so to speak, mindset was, okay, when he gave us these, um, when he gave us these um, mitzvahs. Now, story time, Goranowitz. Nachis in this, in this context means went down. Okay, went down where? Went down to the Teva, the way the uh, shuls used to be constructed. He went down to the Amud, to Dav in front of the Amud. Okay, so you have the Shliach Tzibur and Rabbah is in attendance in Amar and the Shliach Tzibur starts to starts to get poetic. 
He makes making up some of his own words here. Just like you had rachamim on the Kain Sipor. By the way, I once did the mitzvah of Shiloh Kain. It did not. Uh, I was zeicher to do it. I think there's a lot of criteria. Rav Malinowitz at this every other shiurim or nishmaso walked me through it. It has to be uh, the bird has to be of a specific gender. It has to be. It's not so pashut. You know what kind of bird are you talking about? There's some details to the mitzvah that make it uh, hard to know sometimes whether you're actually performing the mitzvah. But we attempted the mitzvah nonetheless, went through all the guidelines, and uh, the mother came back. And if you could, if you ever heard doves cry, <laughs> it was like the bird was sitting there crying for days. Didn't feel like a lot of rachamim, Andrew. What can I tell you? <laughs> so just the concept that it's rachamim in itself. Does that sound like the like great idea to, to evacuate you from your home and then steal your children and then let you come back in? No, not, the, not the most, not the most, um, uh, anyways, be that as it may, if a person says, you showed rachamim for, for, for the nest and therefore you should have rachamim for him. So that's what the shliach tzibur said. Okay. So now, Rabba was in attendance. I'm a Rabba. Kama yada haimer bonan mari. Oh, so good. Mwah. Delicious. Look at this chazan. What an amazing chazan. Look how well he knows the way to be meratze Hashem. And Abayu was in attendance. Amale Abayu. What do you mean? We just learned the Mishnah that said that you're supposed to silence such a person. Rabbi says, yeah, I was just messing with you. I was just making sure you were on your toes. Of course this guy isn't saying the right thing. <laughs> I don't know what, I was just... He was saying it loud enough so Abaye could hear to make sure that Abaye was aware that this was inappropriate of the Chazan to, to behave that way. Funny way to do it. Interesting. You want to hear another story, Andrew? Yeah. All right. Okay. Emphatic. Yes. I love that. So, Nachis, again, as we said, he's going up to the Amud in front of Rabbi Hanina. Amar, Hakel, Hagadol, Hagibor, Vanara. So far, so good. All of a sudden, he's getting now excited. He's the greatest Chazan of all time. Ha'adir, Ve'ha'chazak, Ve'ha'amitz. And he starts right, creating his own lyrics to this song of how great Hashem is. So he stops at, at Amitz and Amalai, Sir Khanina says to him, are you done? You finished praising Hashem, that's it, that's all you got? Six things, you could say? So he says, I can understand Those three, he loved the Had it not been Right, that Hashem wrote Kael Gadol Gibar Venera. And then the Anche Knesset Gadola instituted as part of Shmonesre, right? Then um, then I would have now by the way, it doesn't it doesn't say in the Torah Kael Gadol Gibar Venera, it's not like a transcript of Moshe Rabbeinu's Shmonesre, per se. But it does say, right, in Devarim that right, these these great Kael Gadol Vigibar. Okay, so we could use the words of Moshe Rabbeinu and then based on those words, the Anshek Nesat Agdolo who made the sitter actually constructed the, right, um, uh, the lyrics, if you will, of Shemun right, the text was constructed by Anshek Nesat Agdolo and they made it as a Takana and therefore you could use Kel Gadolo Gibor Nerah. But if it weren't for those, uh, for, for Anshek Nesat formulating it that way, Anan, right, we wouldn't have the gall to single out any attributes of Hashem by ourselves, right? But you, you're, you're writing lyrics, right? What's the comparison? Right, you're having a dinner and you're 
right? The, so we're, having, we're about to have the, the, the Shari Zion dinner is in about a week, okay? So let's say the uh, guest of honor, it's, sometimes it's, it's worthwhile to have a wealthy guest of honor because, uh, because he's going to donate to the shul and that helps the shul do all the chesed and the programming. So we honor Jeff Bezos, right? A guy has a lot of money and Jeff comes and he's speaking to the shul, but they, they, they tell Barry, you're a nice guy, Jeff's gonna like you, you're introduced. So Barry says, and now for a man who makes six figures, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> so that's an insult, right? You're gonna take a guy, right, who's worth gajillion zillions, and you're gonna say, he makes six figures. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. It's gonna be like insulting, right? You, you bring a guy, and Adam Shayul, Elf, Alf, Alf, Dinari Kasef, right? You're gonna say that, you're gonna praise him by selling him short. This is a disgrace, right? So they say to Hashem, you're a good guy. Obviously, that's disgraceful. You can't even, right, capture Hashem's greatness in words, and therefore it's inappropriate to make up your own words, stick with the words Chazal, because Hashem's greatness is limitless. Just by the way, I used uh, quantity, Right, as an example, Bezos' uh, net worth versus $100,000. But really, when it says Zahav and Kesef, that's quality. So just as an, an aside, this R.A. Leibowitz, a great Dafiomi master, points out, when we are diminishing Hashem, we're actually qualitatively changing it from Zahav to Kesef, which is to say, we're not really understanding, we're not hopping what Hashem is. If we think that, oh, he just happens to be good at war and like really strong and smart, right? We're actually misunderstanding Conceptually, the whole concept of Hashem. So there it is, a qualitative difference as well. Okay. So this was all Rabbi Hanina story. So once we're on Rabbi Hanina, let's learn something else from Rabbi Hanina. I'm Rabbi Hanina. There it is. I, it says, Rashi, Tosfos, rather, right? Gets into why does it sometimes say, how, how do you correlate the fact that, like on a day like today, wearing a coat, is the only thing in, in your mind, what's this Yerushalayim? Not for now, but the point is, Yerushalayim is under your control. We have what's called Bechira Chavshis. Shneemar, Vatai Yisrael, the Pasuk says, Ma Hashem Elkech Mimach, Ki'im Yira. What does Hashem want from you? Ki'im Yira, right? So if that's all Hashem wants from you, that's kind of your, that's what we would call your Nekudas HaMachloka, Nekudas HaBechira, right? That's where you are, actually uh, have the um, choice of doing the Ratzon Hashem. Oh. Now, that Pasuk itself says, what does he want from you? Just, just have your Hashem. Says the Gemara, Miklal Deir, Milsa Zutri, sounds from context that it's easy, right? He doesn't, all he asks for you is your Hashem. So that sounds like he's saying it's just a little thing. So the Gemara answers, well, for us it might be difficult, but in Lagavi Moshe Rabbeinu, Milsa Zutri, yeah. For Moshe Rabbeinu, that's not such a big thing. So that's why Hashem said, what does Hashem want from you? All he wants is, uh, is Yiras Hashem. For Moshe, from his perspective, what, what's hard about Yiras Hashem? You have Hashem. You suppose, I mean, to, I mean, one, if you understand Hashem, you certainly would fear Hashem. Mashallah Adam says the Gemara, right? If somebody goes to, just to use, to reuse the analogy of Jeff Bezos, you ask him for $10,000, right? So that's like nothing to him. So yeah, sure, if he has it and he, and he thinks the, the cause is worthy, He'll give it to you. But cotton vein low, right? But if you ask somebody who is destitute for $100, it's going to, right? So everything's relative. To him, it sounds like 
a massive undertaking. He can't give you $100. He doesn't even know where his next meal is coming from. So similarly here, uh, to ask Moshe Rabbeinu for Yira, it seems like you're not asking for much because after all, it's the least Hashem, so to speak, can uh, elicit from you. But other people who don't have the same appreciation as Moshe Rabbeinu, Yira seems like a very big deal indeed. Okay, Amar Rabbi Zeira. That's not just modim, which our Mishnah singles out, that makes it look bad. But you can't repeat the word Shema either, right? So this is, I have to say, uh, so this is where the Avari Leibitz quotes the Aruch HaShulchan and the Maram Shik. Uh, let me just see if I can finish this one thing over here where it says, the Gemara says, Meisve, we have a Brisa, HaKore Shema V'chofla, for each mind you repeat it, HaReza Meguna, it's disgraceful that it's not just, right, uh, it sounds like it's not, um, that you're not silencing him. In other words, Abzeir said, you silence him for modim and you silence him for shema. The sounds from the brysa that you don't silence him, but you just think that it's not appropriate. It's maguna, it's disgusting, but it, we're saying that it's not necessarily something they're silencing, to which the Gemara says, lo kasha, hadamar milsa milsa vitani la, hadamar psuka psuka vitani la. In other words, um, in milsa milsa means that he's saying each word of Shema, and he's, all he's doing is repeating before he's going on to the next word. So we're not going to silence him for that. He's one of these guys that's OCD about saying every word properly, so he's kind of like, uh, making sure that he's saying it correctly. However, Abzera, who says that you silence him, is where you're saying psuka psuka, not just every word, but you're saying the entire pasuk of Shema, and then you're saying the entire pasuk of Shema again. So that's that's inappropriate, okay? And for that, we silence him. So the Gemara asks, Well, maybe the reason why he's saying uh, the Pasuk again is because he realizes after saying it the first time that he wasn't concentrating. And therefore he wants to say it again. So the Gemara answers, What is this, a coffee clutch? Or you think he's Hashem's friend that he could just space out while he's davening? What do you mean he doesn't have concentration? You're davening. I hit him over the head with a hammer to get his head straight. You can't just not concentrate. Okay, alavai, right? We shouldn't even be able to relate to spacing out during davening, right? Um, I go around and what's a missing moment if there ever was one. There's no such thing as not concentrating your davening. You're davening. You're right? Um, the, the, what I referred to before with the Marim Shik and the Rachshokhan is Chazonus. You know, the Marim Sheik, uh, to quote Ari Leibowitz, I thought this was funny, he was in no mood for Chazonus. He writes five reasons why Chazonus is, uh, well, I'm talking about the re- repetition of words. I grew up in my grandfather's shul um, in, uh, in Brooklyn, uh, Brighton Beach. He would be like, Baruch Hashem I never thought I'd get to the end of the bracha. And then finally, mercifully, we get to the end, and it says, you know, it goes back to the beginning. I thought I was never going to get out of there. You know, when you're a kid, it seems endless. And just the repetition. Oh. So Marashik talks about five different reasons why it's, it's a horrible thing, this Chazanus. And the Rechazan says, listen, maybe we could be Melamed Tzchus, right? I mean, we know what he's saying, right? We have the sitter in front of us. He doesn't, he's not davening to multiple Rishuyos. He's just trying to get the crowd into it. People used to love that stuff. So if you're trying to get the crowd into it, maybe it's not really having this effect. Nobody thinks he's doing a Vodazar there, right? They're just not, they're either enjoying it and getting uh, a chias from it, in which case maybe there's some 
uh, point to it. So that is the, uh, the machlokas there. Okay. Where are they going? You know, you I know. Where is he going with it? Uh, today, it's not as popular. It used to be very, very popular. Today, it's not as popular, so we don't need to, uh, we, don't, we don't have this uh, tension over here as much. Okay. Fine. So next, two dots. What was this idea of using the Arias and trying to, to learn some euphemistic thing out of it? So, what it really means is, as what Rashi quoted on the Mishnah already, he's saying it doesn't really mean, right, um, having actual relations with the parents. It means disgracing them in some other way. That's Arias. Okay. That's what it, Rashi had already told us it meant. Fine. He's, he's trying to Reinterpret it a little bit out of context. Uh, not out of context, but sort of like out of shot. Okay. So, so there we said, right, we're also cursing him. What? In, in the Tanah of Yishmael, no, so it means, they, this is not how they interpreted the Pasuk. They just mean that when the Mishnah says that it's wrong uh, to interpret it, that's how, right, that is how they, that's the wrong interpretation that they use. We said an Armenian woman, over here he's saying that it's referring to, he gives his Zara to, not an Armenian perhaps, but a Kusis, and then they have a child and he brings to Avodah Zara. That is what it means when it says uh, uh, that he gives his Zara to Malach. But really what it means is if you have your, a Jewish child, right, and you send the Jewish child to Malach to, to walk the gauntlet, so that is the Avera. It doesn't, it's not referring necessarily to marrying a shiksa. Okay, fine. Next Mishnah. What's this Mishnah about? So we had already talked about Targum, right? So this uh, follows on the theme of superimposing uh, your own thing and, being, and explaining certain things in the Torah in ways that you would prefer to understand it with it getting out of Pshat. So as we know, there was a custom whenever you had Kriyas Torah and Kriyas Haftarah, there were culturally, historically, times where you would have a Maturgaman who would translate in the language so that people who didn't know the Lashon HaKodesh would understand. Now, when you make such a translation, Targum sometimes has embedded in it Perush as well, right? Sometimes it gives uh, sort of a, an explanation of what's going on. Well, some things, as we just discussed, right, are better off left in Pashib Shat. Some things, the explanation sheds light. And so what our Mishnah is about to tell us is examples of certain things that we're going to read and explain because the explanation sheds light on the Pashup Shat. Certain things that we're going to read and not explain because the explanation perhaps would uh, not actually put the push, would, would take us out of understanding the Pashup Shat correctly. And so basically what we're going to go through now is examples of where sticking closer to the Pshat is actually, to the, to the way it's written is actually closer to Pshat and examples where explaining, right, what's written in black and white is going to bring it closer to what the pshat means. So obviously we can't really make that decision, right? You need to have the chazal to know when the actual pashat pshat is closer to what the message is supposed to be and when not. So really what we're learning this whole time is people should not assume on themselves that they can make this determination. So here we have some expla- uh, explaining some explanations of how Chazal determined certain things um, and said this, you should read the Pashib Shat, this you should read the Parish as follows. Says the Mishnah, Maisa Ruvain. So what do you do with Maisa Ruvain? What happened with Ruvain? Well, it sounds like if you read the Pashib Shat that he took something, he, he switched the beds. Of the imams. Okay, you're allowed to switch the beds. He's a maintenance guy. Nothing wrong with that. Aye, but the parish is, 
that he slept with, uh, right, uh, with the with the maiden, uh, with the with, with so that you can't. That is the that is the parish. So that's why the Mishnah says, "Mice Ruvah Nikrovah Targum." So read the Pasha Pshat. They switch the beds. You don't have to get into the Targum there. The explanation of the Targum. Okay, Mice Tamar. So that's Tamar and Yehuda. Nikra Uma Targum. So Tamar and Yehuda, you can actually explain it straight out. What actually happened? Okay. Maisa Egel Harishon Nikra Matargem, Vasheni Nikra Velomatargem. What's Egel Rishon Egel Sheni? Was there two Maisa Egels? No. It says Rashi, Kol Parshas Egel Ad Veashlichu Beish. If you read through the whole Parshas Egel, you get until he until Aaron throws it in the fire. Because again, as Rashi says, Chazar Aaron Vasipar Maisa. So what happened is <laughs> the Chet Egel happens, and then Moshe Rabbeinu comes down and he says. Uh, and Aaron says, well, I threw it in the fire, and then the fire, and then it came back up. That second part, you don't want to talk about, because then people are going to have the tendency to think that the eagle had its own power, and it rose like a phoenix from the flames, and that is what you want to avoid. That's called Shani, Egel Shani. And so that, Nikravalamitargim, that's what is the, that what I just said of the eagle rising up is the Targum, so we leave that Targum out and leave that Pashup shot. Because Kohanim, Okay, Maisa David ve'Amnon, Nikrain v'Lo Mitargamin. There you read Pashup Shat. What's wrong with Birkas Kohanim? Birkas Kohanim is great. The Gemara will explain. Ein Maftirin Markava. We don't use. You may notice Maisa Markava. We don't read that as a Haftara, right? Rabbi Yehuda Matir. Rabbi Yehuda allows it. Rabbi Liazar Omer Ein Maftirin Behodas Yerushalayim. As Rashi explains, that is Es Toavosea. It's a Parshan Yecheskel that talks about the Toeva of Yerushalayim. So we're going to explain all this in the Gemara as follows. Says the Gemara. Tanur Banan. There are certain uh, sections, and again, Chazal has to be the ones to determine, that certain sections we are going to explain, and certain sections we're not going to explain. Again, this is not really relevant to us, because when you're learning, you're going to learn all the Targum. And when you're laning in Shul, you're just going to lane Pashup Shat, right? But it used to be, like I said, that it, it used to be that there was uh, an, an interpreter at the laning. And therefore, in that context, sometimes you would sort of throw in an explanation, sometimes better leave it as Pashup Shot without throwing in an explanation. Either way, you're being a target manager. In other words, you're gonna, it's just a question of, are you going to do a literal translation of the words, or are you gonna do some sort of explanatory translation of the words? That's all we're talking about now. So here, we're saying, sometimes you read it and you do a literal translation, sometimes you do an explanatory Translation, and sometimes you do a literal translation. So here's where you do an explanatory translation as follows. And there's a mnemonic. So let's go through all those. My sabracious explanatory. You could, you could do the explanation. Pshita, that's obvious. In other words, translated. It's fine. Why wouldn't it be? Or as we turn to right? As Tosfos over there explains, if you start reading Maisa Bereshis, you're going to say, wait a minute, where does the universe end? And how did it begin? And is there a big bang? And what came before? What came after? It starts to bring up, right, these questions that are beyond us. So maybe we should just kind of like stay away from it. Kamash Malan, no, you could read it, you can explain it. And we're not worried about those things. It's fine. It's worth it. We're going to read Maisa Bereshis as f- and, and, and we move on. Maisa Lot Nikro How about the episode of Lot and his two daughters? He thought the world was going to end. So 
Okay, so he slept with his daughters and he had Amon and Moab. So, I mean, it's not the most savory story, but it's part of Chumash. Pshita says the Gemara. Of course you're going to mention it. So it says, You say, well, this is Avram's nephew, so maybe like we should just keep the story on the down low and bury it. We're not going to bury this. We're not concerned about that. Um, you're going to see in most, in overwhelming uh, cases, the Nechish Lechvodo, right? This is, we're a religion of transparency, Andrew. We leave everything out on the table. So therefore, uh, this was uh, the article that Breitowitz Schlitter wrote about when heroes fail. It's like a huge topic these days, right? When you get, the dem- when you get demoralized by the failure of, of uh, Jewish leaders, he writes about transparency that he said, Saul Berman writes about Vayikra. You may wonder, why is Sefer Vayikra giving you all the, all the nitty-gritty details of Karbanos? So he says, because there's going to be a base of Mikdash may be rebuilt soon. All the right, fancy dudes are in there and wearing fancy clothes in the fancy building, and you don't know what's going on, and there's like a mysticism to it. Says Rebreidowitz, we are a religion of full transparency and honesty. We don't cover things up. And therefore, at the expense of losing some of that mysticism and even maybe thinking, oh, that it, what's going on in there is mundane, the Torah takes that chance, so to speak, in order to tell you every detail of what's going on in there. Full transparency, so that everybody knows that there's no mysticism. If something seems uh, hidden from you, then that's a bad sign, okay? So we don't bury it under the rug. We don't do that. We're going to read, right? How about Maisatam Vehuda Nikram Matargim? So again, it's Chumash. It's not the most savory story, but it's Chumash. Pshita, of course you read it. Again, we're going to cover it up for Yehuda's sake. Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, he may have failed. But then afterwards, he says, right, So therefore, that is a shvach to him. The shvach is not what you do. The shvach is how you, you right, react. Okay. As we discussed before, Pshita, of course. You're going to read Chet Egel. Doesn't looks bad for the Jews that they did the Chet Egel. Yeah, but Kamash Malan Lo Kol Shikain Dinichalu Davilu Kapara. It's even better. Again, another Gemara wants Mister moment. Not only is revealing our sins not frowned upon, it's part of the Truva process, right? To recognize the sins, right? Hakar Sachet. Okay, Klaus of Brachos Nikrin and Retargeming. What about the Klaus and Brachos in the Torah Pshita? Of course. Maybe it's going to demoralize people and make them feel like, uh-oh, we're in trouble and they become disheartened. No. This isn't summer camp, guys. We got to right, get serious sometimes and understand that our actions have consequences. Okay. Warnings and punishments. Pshita. Of course. Similarly. Right? Oh, maybe you're going to say, we're going to become like a Scharva Onish religion. We're only going to do it out of Kamash Milan. You have to understand that even though it's not the only thing in our religion that there is such a thing as Charva Onish. There's three lines up from the wide on Chafeim Beis. Maisa Amram Tamar Nikram Targem and Maisa Shalom Nikram Targem. So David and Melech had children that behaved badly. They were with concubines or Amnon was with the sister. So maybe you shouldn't do that. Shita. Right? So, but we read it anyway in David. Yeah, we're concerned about David's honor. No, we have to be honest about these episodes. We already told the story towards the end of Tainus where the whole Shevet of Binyamin was inhospitable and they ended up acting mamish like Anshay's dome and violating the Pilegish all night long. So Pshita, that we read it, because it's in the Chumash, it's in the, it's in Binyamin. Yeah, but it makes like the people of Binyamin sound like Anshay's dome. It's not a good look. Maybe we should bury that story. No, you leave it out. You leave it, meaning as is, and we read it. 
Okay. How about Hodas Yishalayim as Tovaseh, Nikur Metargim? We read that and we explain it too, right? All the abominations of Yishalayim, Pshita. So again, all these things are part of the Torah and Tanakh. Of course we read it. So, right, when we get to what we don't read, maybe we'll get a better sense. But everything is full transparency. So he said, So there, we have Rabbi Eliezer who said this following in the Bryce. So he was reading that section in front of Rabbi Eliezer about the abominations of Yerushalayim. He said, yeah, you're so excited about Tovah's Yerushalayim. Go check your lineage. Check your, your mother's uh, ways. Sure enough, they found a blemish in his lineage, in his yichus. So maybe this guy was just being very not nice about it. He's excited about the Torah of Yerushalayim. It's not a good uh, sign for his yichus. Okay, so these are all the things that you are going to read. And even though you might think you want to bury the story, full transparency, we do not bury these stories. But now says the Gemara, What do you read and just leave it shot and not explain? So... That's the mnemonic Ravadon. Maisa Ruvain, Nikravalamitargan. Because there, again, the Targum does, is, is that he slept right with, with, uh, right, with the with a ser- maid servant, right? And not switch the bed. So leave it as Pashup Shot. Okay, Maisa Berbachanina bin Gamil Shalach Lechabul. He went to Kabul. And and the Chazan was reading, and it came to pass when, right, that Parsha of Ruvain, Ramalamaturgaman. He says, you leave this till the end. The Chachamim thought this was a good idea. Right? The Achorn there is referring to the first narrow line in Rashi. Yeah, like, you don't have to explain this too much. Just go push up shot on this one. As we just discussed, you leave out the uh, Medrash on what Reuven was doing. Okay. What's this idea of Egel HaSheni? As we already explained in Rashi. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, Omer, Lolam Yadam Zayir b'Tshuvosav, Shemitoch Tshuva sheShivu Aron LaMoshe, Pakru Ame Arim. In other words, be very careful with the answer that you say, because Moshe asks Aron, "Vus is dus," and because of the answer, when when Aron's explaining, yeah, and the eagle rose up, that's where the agitators got up there and they said, "Ah, oh, you see, the eagle rose like a phoenix." Shenemar b'Ashlichu b'Eish v'Yitzay Eagle Azet. Right? In the answer, he wasn't careful enough, made it sound like the eagle came out of its own volition. Certainly that is not what he was meant to say, and so be very careful with that. How about Birkas Kwanim In my time, what's wrong with Birkas Isa sounds like usually he's not turning to us, so he should turn to us. He doesn't usually turn to us. Careful, careful, keep it, push up shot. Okay, That we actually don't read. Wait, well, we just said that you are. We just said that we do read it. There's two passages. One says Amnon bin David. That's just not fair. Why would you dafka say Ben David? Right? That's, uh, that's not nice. But when it just says Amnon, so that's, that's okay. We're not covering up the story. It's just not nice to relate it back to David because David and Melech had nothing to do with the transgression, the incest of Amnon. If the Pasuk is written, indelicately. Begnai here means that it's not nice language. So we say it nice. Kagon, you'll see this, right? There's a Kriyuk Siv. Ish Galena is a pras way, a not nice way of saying that he slept with her. So that we change to, right, Ish Kavena. Ba'polim Batchorim. Ba'polim we read Batchorim. Chir Yonim Divyonim. Right? These are words that are curse words of those days and we, and they're actually in the Psukim. It's trying to show that it's not a good thing, but we clean it up a little bit. Right? Um, 
that, that meant that they ate feces and stuff. We're not, we're trying to make it a little bit cleaner. Lechos, so assemblish doesn't make raglayim, even though that's not, still, it kind of, you get the idea, but you're not, you're using cleaner words. Lemacharos, lemitzoos, the word lemachoros, that you can relieve it as is. You don't change it to motzos because it's good to make fun of avodos kachavim. That's allowed. And that's how we're going to finish the Gemara. Amar of Nachman, you're not allowed to have racy humor, Goranowitz, except for when you're making fun of avodos kachavim. It says, Baal squats, nevo splashes. It's talking about the bowel movements of the, of the, of the idols. You're making fun of them. Right, they splash, they squat together. Right, these are in Navi, where we're talking about the loose bowels of, of idols, as if they have bowels altogether. It's just a joke. It's a dirty joke. Because of the calves of base oven, the inhabitants of Shomer will be afraid. The people mourn on it, and the priests rejoice over it. Because the glory departed from it. Don't say kvodo, but rather say kvedo. What is all this? This is all an example of heavy load of bowels of the, of the eagle. Right? In other words, we're making fun. It's again, all the way to the end of this parak, the examples of making fun of idols with kind of dirty, weird humor. A person who's a Jew, can tell an Ovid Kachavim that he took, take your idol and put it in your shin tuf. Says Rashi, like put it in your tush, right? In other words, this is shin tuf. Literally, um, you're allowed to use that kind of racy language when it comes to Avodah Zarah. You can be uh, a little bit pross like that. Interesting. Amar Vashi, Haiman desnai shemane, sharele levazui begimel v'shin. A person whose reputation is sullied, you're allowed to embarrass him with gimel and shin, the gimel word, the shin word. Those are curse words that we don't know today. But again, you're allowed to make fun of a vodazar in that way. Haman the shopper, shimane, shavuche. And concerning, let's just finish on a positive note. When someone has a sterling reputation, then you're allowed to praise him. Uman the shabche and nuchula brachas al rosho. You're allowed to say, if you praise somebody who's praiseworthy indeed, um, like the have the alpha of Dals from all those other examples of the of the Zara. So this is saying you should make a dinner for Rabbi Rose Shlita, big tzaddik, because the Shavche Yenuchalo Brachas al Roshe. Those who praise a praiseworthy person should get bracha. May we all be Zoche to praise praiseworthy people and get the brachas they're in. Hadran Allah, Hakari Re Oimed. We'll resume tomorrow with the fourth parak.